Doctor's Kitchen. Recipes, health, lifestyle. Welcome to the Doctor's Kitchen podcast. The show about food, lifestyle, medicine, and how to improve your health today. I'm Dr. Rupi, your host. I'm a medical doctor. I study nutrition, and I'm a firm believer in the power of food and lifestyle as medicine. Join me and my expert guests where we discuss the multiple determinants of what allows you to lead your best life. This is a special bonus episode of the Doctor's Kitchen podcast where I'm going to be taking some of your most commonly asked nutrition and lifestyle medicine questions answering them whilst I cook up a delicious meal. And this podcast is brought to you in partnership with Sainsbury's. Yes, I'm super proud to be working with Sainsbury's who are helping you cook up something magic this autumn. I'll be cooking up a delicious roasted vegetable frika and feta salad with yogurt and mint dressing, a recipe that you can find on their website whilst answering your questions. Sainsbury's are on a mission to empower the nation to live well for less, a campaign I'm certainly behind. And they're trying to make autumn this year the most adventurous year in British kitchens. They provide midweek recipe inspiration on their website for those who are stuck in a rut and craving a taste of something new. So cook up some magic this autumn with Sainsbury's and let's go and do a whip around the ingredients before I start answering your questions. Okay, so let's do a whip around the ingredients. We have some courgettes, just two courgettes. I've cleaned everything prior to cooking just to save time. Uh, Some butternut squash, but you can also use any sort of squash, particularly right now during autumn. Two red onions, some herbs. We've got mint, dill, parsley. You don't need to use all of them, but they... Honestly, the, the combination of those flavors is wonderful. Got some pre-cooked grains that you can buy um, in stores. Uh, you've got mixed grains as well. There's loads of different varieties of that. Lemon, uh, some feta uh, cheese, and then the spices, harissa, some ground cinnamon, some rapeseed oil, uh, salt, pepper. And I'm also going to be using a yogurt. Um, so I'm using garlic uh, to create that yogurt dressing, which is absolutely delicious. And um, yeah, it's going to be a good one. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see everything here. So no worries. But um, first things first, I'm going to chop up the ro- the roasting vegetables. So the courgette and the butternut squash and the red onions. Pop them into a tray and I'm preheating my oven whilst I'm doing that as well. It's those little hacks of the process of how you cook uh, food, which makes it just so much simpler when it comes to uh, cooking at home as well. And that actually is related to the first question I've got here. How do you find the energy to work full-time and still cook healthy, delicious food? So common question I get, um, I'm not Superman. Um, uh, I'm I'm, I'm very honest about this. I work two to three days a week, so I'm not full-time in the NHS, but I still work in the NHS and I largely do A&E. Um, which is, uh, I mean, most people know what a is or ER if you're listening in the States. Um, and, you know, I've developed a, a number of different hacks um, for cooking generally. So one thing is I always have uh, pre-prepared foods uh, in my store cupboard. So this uh, pre-cooked frika, which is a type of grain, 
is a perfect example of things I always have on hand to cook quick, easy, delicious meals. So, you know, whether it's pre-cooked lentils as well, uh, canned chickpeas, um, a whole bunch of of other sort of time-saving whole grains and whole legumes um, that, you know, otherwise you'd have to cook them for well, if, if we're talking about grains and we're talking about 45 minutes or if we're talking about legumes, we're talking literally overnight because um, you have to soak them as well. So I, I think, you know, having those in your store covers and they're not particularly expensive, like these grains, for example, I think cost a quid from Sainsbury's. So, you know, it's, it's having those sorts of uh, ingredients in your kitchen at all times to make sure that you're always in hand. And so, you know, sometimes I'll come back from work really late, I've missed out on dinner. You know, the easiest thing for me and, and a lot of my colleagues, uh, quite frankly, to do is to get a takeaway, right? So go to whatever takeaway um, online or on your way home sort of exists for you in, in your local area. Whereas I know I've got a few recipes that I've mastered that I can literally make in 10 minutes using some of the convenience items. A good example is a pea pasta. So I'll boil the pasta, I'll have some frozen peas, I'll have a passata or a similar sort of like um, uh, Italian flavored sauce uh, and just mix it up into a pan. And that way I've got whole vegetables, whole grains, and I'm still hitting my dietary goals. The other obviously, issue is um, the energy and the time that it takes to you know motivate yourself to actually do that in the first place and that is something that needs to be cultivated I certainly didn't start when I was um, ill when I got into healthy eating myself you know I didn't start off being 100% motivated all the time you know I was working as a junior doctor uh, night shifts uh, had no idea about like what I was meant to be eating, let alone, you know, the hacks and the things that I know now to, to make healthy eating easier. But certainly I've developed a skill. And, and I would say to anyone listening to this is start off by mastering one meal you can do, whether it's a, a, a delicious healthy pasta or it's a, a whole grain um, uh, salad like I'm making right now. Um, that There are so many different recipes that you could use, but it's got to be a recipe that you genuinely enjoy making and you genuinely enjoy um, uh, eating as well uh, because otherwise, you know, there's no point. So mastering a few recipes, uh, I think, is is a, is a good tactic to make sure that you always keep to your health goals and um, uh, identifying where the pain points are for you. So the pain points for me uh, were convenience foods, uh, motivation when I was working late but also snacking. So if anyone's worked in the NHS or even in any office environment or wherever you work, there's always snacks lying about, whether it's Haribo or whether it's chocolates or whether it's, you know, any anything like biscuits and that kind of stuff. And I still struggle with the temptation to, to eat that when I'm working um, late on shifts or mods or whatever. So, you know, that for me, I, I tackled that by always making sure I had on hand snacks that I know were um were aligned with my health goals so you know i'm a savory type of snacker so i always have um almonds that are seasoned and flavored um or even chili nuts or you know those kinds of things that have got good quality healthy fats 
um, and uh, are absolutely delicious and they're satiating as well. I'm just going to quickly go back to the recipe. So I'm cutting the uh, courgettes into two centimeter rough chunks. I've halved it and then just uh, done two centimeter chunks thereafter. Uh, I'm, with the butternut squash, I'm going to do similar size chunks, but I'm going to make them cubes. Um, I'm also going to be keeping the skins on. Now, the reason why, if you're an avid listener, uh, that I keep the skins on is because the skins are the uh, concentrated sources of phytonutrients. So the plants create these chemicals called phyto, uh, phytonutrients or phytochemicals. Um, and the reason why the plants uh, create those is as a defense mechanism. If you remember from a podcast I did right at the start, I think it was number one or two, um, eating colorfully, the, the reason why plants create these pigments that give the, the taste, the color, the smell, the aroma, um, is to defend themselves uh, from insects and from any sorts of um, <laughs> predators, I guess, for want of a better word. Um, and those are actually noxious and, and toxic in, in, in high, high doses. But in the doses in which we consume, they actually confer benefits to the human host. They elicit what, what's called a, a hermetic response, where it's it's almost like a mild bit of inflammation that creates um, uh, small inflammation in your body. And your response to that is anti-inflammatory. So it's, the analogy I like to use is like um, uh, when you go to exercise, you go to the gym, and you get a pump on or you go running or you know lift some weights or whatever. And what that does is it creates shearing forces on your muscles and, and, on, your, and on your body. So actually that, that is an inflammation producing activity, but it's your response to those, uh, th th those um, impacts on, on your muscles and, and the inflammation that actually overall is beneficial and actually leads to more resilience. So it's, it's kind of hard to get your head around uh, initially, but w once you understand the, the process of um, plant hormesis, it, it's why we, we should be consuming these sorts of chemicals. It's the same way that turmeric works, the same way that resveratrol that you find in um, grapes and peanuts and, and red wine works. Um, it's a fascinating concept and uh, yeah, one that I think uh, more people should be aware of. Okay, so I'm just gonna season uh, our veggies here and I'm gonna be using um, just some uh, plain salt pepper and some rapeseed oil. Now I'm always asked, and this is actually another question. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill two birds with one stone here. Let me just pull up the question. Uh, what is the most heart healthy oil to use at different temperatures? Now, this is a common question. There is a lot of information on the internet about never using this sort of oil, only use this sort of oil. This is going to cause cancer. This is going to be carcinogenic high temperatures, et cetera, et cetera. So as a general rule of thumb, I use extra virgin olive oil for pretty much everything. Um, and that includes dressings and it includes um, cooking as well. But the, the point is you want to be cooking at low temperatures. The general, the smoking point of, um, of olive oil in particular, as we're talking about olive oil, is um, uh, 180, around 180 degrees centigrade. So unless you're really frying at high temperatures or you know, you're cooking a steak or you're deep frying, 
you're not gonna be hitting those temperatures. And I always, if you notice in my recipes, I always stay uh, low to medium heat whenever you're sauteing, whenever you're cooking garlic or whatever. And even the oven at the moment is on a 180 degrees centigrade fan assisted. So we're not taking it to a super high temperature. Um, there are a number of different oils out there and they all have very similar smoking points. The smoking point is the point at which your oil starts to degrade and it starts to uh, become rancid and, and inflammatory in its impact uh, on, on the body. So that the, the smoking points are rarely hit unless you're, you're deep frying. When you're deep frying, you want to be using more stable oils. But at the, at the end of the day, when you're deep frying, you're destroying a lot of the nutrition in the product itself or in the ingredient, whether that be meat or vegetables or whatever. So you've got to allow yourself some enjoyment and, and just take the hit as, okay, well, I'm having a deep fried food. It's not going to be particularly healthy for me, but I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm not going to try and eat deep fried food on a daily basis, right? I mean, I still enjoy uh, a mixture, a number of different um, types of foods uh, that are deep fried, but I don't just, I don't have that on a weekly basis. I probably have it once a month or so. So that, that, those are my thoughts on oils in general, but if I'm going to choose an oil, it would be extra virgin olive oil. I'm using um, a, a mellow uh, rapeseed oil from the UK. It's cold pressed. Um, you can find it in Sainsbury's. Um, and I like this because it's a neutral oil and I want the harissa spices that i've just put in the in the roasted veg mix here and the uh cinnamon to really sing through the dish rather than it being overpowered with the beautiful scent of extra virgin olive oil but i you know for this one i want the spices to come through let me just pop this in the oven On the subject of, oh, so the uh, the vegetables are going to go in for about 20 minutes and then we're going to turn them in about 20 minutes as well. That's that's the majority of this recipe. It's, I, I love this recipe. It's, it's no fuss. It's something I could definitely do at the end of a shift because it's just chopping up a few veggies and then popping it in the oven, which is exactly the way I like to cook. And it's whole grain. It's colorful. We've got three portions of vegetables, um, loads of spices, uh, loads of herbs, which are fantastic for heart health. And um, on the subject of heart health, so yes, extra virgin olive oils, quality fats, largely plants, lots of fiber. These are things that I've spoken about in my book, Eat to Be Illness, um, as well as all the stuff actually that I put out there. And there's a few podcasts um, in the catalog that we've done where we've discussed heart health in general. So if you're interested in specifics as to why that might be the case, why we need to dampen down inflammation, why inflammation is so important, there's a whole bunch of podcasts on those subjects. Um, okay, so the next question is um, my thoughts on adaptogenics. Now, this is a really interesting topic. And if you don't know, adaptogenics uh, and nootropics are um, plant compounds that are isolated from a number of different uh, sources, whether it be um, mushrooms, uh, whether it be from roots like ashwagandha, uh, curcumin is thought to have nootropic effects. It's where you um, essentially uh, are having some performance-related benefits, whether it be clarity, whether it be energy, um, caffeine, I guess you could uh, class as, as a, a performance enhancer. Um, there's certainly lots of evidence about the utility of caffeine pre-exercise 
and um, uh, and how that's demonstrated to have uh, improvements in lifting capability and endurance, etc. Uh, so what are my thoughts on nootropics? I think uh, in the spectrum of lifestyle interventions that can lead to benefits to your health, uh, I believe um, supplements are really the, the tip of the iceberg. So they're really the chop cherry on top uh, rather than something that you should base your entire lifestyle around or the thought process of, okay, well, if I have this nootropic, whether it be you know, some sort of brain enhancing compound, um, Jinko, Bilbao, um, or ashwagandha, like I said, uh, or the different types of mushrooms of which uh, cordyceps, lion's mane, um, a whole bunch of others uh, exist. Um, it, it's really about getting the basics right. And honestly, if you get the basics right, that pertains to probably 80 to 90% of your brain or performance enhancing benefits whether that be from a a heart health point of view or a dementia preventative point of view that there are a number of different benefits of of lifestyle and i think that's where i want people to concentrate on rather than thinking they can supplement their way out of uh, an issue or supplement their way into performance Um, sleep uh, obviously a colorful nutrient-dense diet that's high in fiber um uh, and uh exercise are the clear winners when it comes to the uh brain performance effects and the impact on energy levels and, and fatigue which is something that i see as a general practitioner and in a e very very commonly and something i'm asked about a lot so my thoughts on adaptogenics is that a lot of them are unproven by the current standard of um clinical evidence and nutritional medicine evidence that we would want before recommending it. However, anecdotally, I've had lots of people suggest to me that the uh, mushroom abstract uh, um, extract that they're taking or the ashwagandha has been fantastic from an anxiety point of view, uh, an energy point of view. Um, I I reserve judgment for those and I'm very open-minded. I've actually personally experimented with taking ashwagandha for 30 days um, perhaps it's because I don't uh, regard myself as having low mood or uh, anxiety, uh, but I didn't have a, a, an effect. But that's just an anecdote. So we can't really tell too much from that. Um, but I wouldn't discount them just yet. Uh, the ones that stand out to me are curcumin uh, as as a, uh, an example of something that may have some benefits. And um, if you listen back to a conversation I had with Professor David Sinclair of Harvard Medical School, um, he's a big proponent of resveratrol and some other uh, molecules that have um, longevity enhancing benefits, in his opinion. Uh, It's kind of a controversial area. A lot of people disagree with that. Um, But uh, I think um, that there, there may be some benefits. So, you know, if you did want to uh first get the foundation right and then uh experiment with adding a supplement to your regime as long as you've discussed it with a medical practitioner and you don't have any uh medications that it could interact with um then it it could be worth uh, experimenting with and seeing if that works for you um but but as of as of now i personally don't use um adaptogenics myself but it is something that we should discuss on the podcast um someone who i would suggest someone whose book 
I would suggest reading would be uh, Dr. Danny Gordon's. She's uh, an integrative doctor, a medical doctor, psychiatrist, and she has done um, some, sorry, not a psychiatrist, family medicine doctor. She's done an incredible book called The CBD Bible. We've done a podcast on CBD. And um, the book actually dives into a, a bit about nootropics as well because of her extensive experience with plant medicine. So I would, I would certainly, if you're interested in that subject matter, certainly have a read of that. And I'll probably have to get her back on the podcast to discuss this topic because I'm asked about it a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, okay, let me go back to the recipe real quick. So I've got um, some uh, probiotic yogurt that I got from Sainsbury's. Uh, just going to use 100 grams of this. I'm going to grate uh, just a single clove of garlic into the bowl here. And it's that single clove of garlic that honestly gives so much flavor, a little bit of uh, heat from the um, uh, from the uh, the garlic itself. And uh, just every step of the way, we are adding uh, micronutrients, nutrient density, flavor, um, phytonutrients. We're also going to squeeze a whole lemon into this and just let it sit there. Um, and I'm going to chop a little bit of the uh, mint in there as well. So we've got a mint yogurt dressing, simple as you like. I do like to add a little bit of uh, olive oil or um, in this case, rapeseed oil to the, to the dressing as well, just to just give it a little bit of um, uh, fat and some voluptuousness, but you don't have to do that. All right, let's go to the next question. We have so many questions. I'm sorry I won't be able to get through all of them, but... Um, I do enjoy getting the questions because it kind of directs where I should be um, focusing the information on the podcast as well. So if you if you enjoy this, please do give us a five-star review and uh, uh, comment and, and I'll do some more. How do you advise patients struggling to find the time to cook healthy? I think we, we discussed that. I, I think mastering one meal at a time, making sure that you have store cupboard essentials of which they're on my website, thedoctorskitchen.com. There's an essential store cupboard list that I always have in my kitchen. I think it's helped loads of other people. But uh, the, the question also asks about um, parents and giving their kids unhealthy snacks for school because it's quite convenient. I, I reason with this a lot and actually not to embarrass my, my parents and my mom, uh, but you know, when I was a kid, uh, we used to have all those like Lunchables and Dairy. I mean, I, it's probably like 25 odd years ago now. You know, we'd have like Dairy and Lunchables and, and all those kind of things. That, like delicious. I mean, it's part of my childhood upbringing was having, you know, those uh, um, popsicles and, and whatever you call them. Um, you know, it's, it's just something that we, we, we grew up with. And, and as kids, you know, really enjoyed. But now we know about um, processing and the impact of uh, sugars and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's advisable to sort of limit the uh, the amount of processed food, not completely, but certainly limit it. We don't have to be radical about these things uh, and focus on more healthier snacks, right? So I would say um, the things that I found with parents in particular are just trying to A, get the kids involved in the snacks themselves. So, you know, making roasted almonds with delicious spice combinations if you have the time to do that on the weekends. So they're more in tune and more involved in that process and they're more likely to request it as well. The other thing is like getting uh, plain yogurts or plant-based yogurts 
um, and flavoring those yourself. Again, you could use like a little bit of black uh, blackcurrant jam or you know a bit of honey or whatever, and you could experiment with your kids. It doesn't take more than half an hour at a time, and that way they've got that connection with the food as well. One of the things that I think um, I always sort of come back to with uh, how I got interested in, in healthy eating in the first place is because uh, my mum was so connected to the food and encouraged us to to come into the kitchen and to um, experiment, to taste. And, you know, we'd, we'd cook from loads of different cuisines all the time. So I think that at an early age, at a foundational age, is very, very important. Um, and uh, I, I think that could put a lot of uh, children in good stead going forward as well. Uh, because at the moment, we're really at the mercy of um, uh, the junk food industry. And I think we need to sort of re readdress the balance when it comes to, um, you know, what what we show our kids, what we teach our kids as well. I'm just going to season this um, uh, yogurt whilst I'm making it. And then I'm going to add, I've already grated in the garlic. It's beautiful, fresh seasonal produce is looking amazingly colorful on my uh, on my board here. Uh, a top tip when um, uh, when juicing uh, limes or lemons is to uh, just roll it out on the board uh, in, in your palm just to allow those juices to come out. Um, and that way you get a really juicy squeeze of lemon that's going to taste absolutely amazing in this dressing. Okay. Uh, okay, so this, um, this is from Pooja. Uh, how can adults... Uh, with very tight finances, especially time constraints, still eat healthy. And I think, you know, this is um, uh, really something that I discuss with patients on an individual basis, right? So one of the things, and again, it comes back down to like my, my own family's experience with this, is uh, it's, it's very um, achievable to feed a family of four on a tight, tight budget. Um, my, my, my parents always tell me the stories of, of how they would make lentils, rice, um, then make their own sort of flatbreads, uh, rotis and chapatis that we call it in, in Indian terms. Um, they would get the fresh, uh, seasonal, um, fruit and veg, um, as like an add on to that. But the, the base of their diet was super vegetarian and super cheap. Um, you could get like a huge um, bucket of lentils that are incredible for health. I mean, a lot of people think of like just fruits and veggies as as having the phytonutrients, but lentils, beans, chickpeas, legumes, these are all contain phytonutrients in themselves, whether it be the saponins, the tannins, the anti, they're largely known as anti-nutrients, but it's a bit of a, a misnomer and a, and a poor name because um, they're actually fantastic for health. And, and again, it comes down to that hormetic effect uh, with regards to, you know, um, the impact on, on the body and stuff that we don't need to go back into. But, you know, th this is, uh, I think, an educational piece that a lot of charities are doing really well. So uh, I currently support uh, UK Harvest um, in the UK. Uh, there's Made in Hackney, which is based in East London, where they teach the local population how to use fresh, uh, seasonal ingredients. I've done a whole bunch of workshops where uh, I, I teach people how to uh, feed uh, a family of four for less than a fiver with leftovers. That there are lots of different hacks, and I think showing people what you can even cook from a food bank is something we do in culinary medicine um, can be really eye-opening. The challenge is, as a general practitioner, 
and someone who you know is time constrained as a medical practitioner how do you get those messages across and you know it can't be left to the device of the dietitians because there's only 5000 odd dietitians in the UK and it's very hard to uh, refer to them and the referral wait times are huge as well. So this really has to come from like a societal level and a cultural level to really appreciate um, how achievable it is to eat healthy on a budget. And it's one of the reasons why I'm doing this collaboration with Sainsbury's because they want to teach people how, yes, it is achievable to eat well, eat uh, deliciously on a budget as well. And, and you know, these midweek meals and the one that I'm making right now is, is very cheap. Um, so, and, and it's absolutely delicious and it hits all the, uh, the ticks, all the boxes when it comes to healthy eating, um, tastes and taste profile and, uh, the motivation to cook, I think are the biggest barriers. And that's why, you know, three, two, one meals, like I say, three portions of veg, two servings, double it if you want four and, uh, only using one pan, uh, the one pan meal methodology that I use a lot in doctor's kitchen recipes is, is, you know, the way forward. And I think, uh, when people are taught that that they can do recipes in less than ten minutes, it's um it's really a game game changer. Okay, I'm going to rattle through some more of these questions because I realise I do what I usually do and I just talk too much. Uh, is raw cabbage better than cooked cabbage? In short, uh, no. So raw cabbage it will benefit from having um no denaturing of the vitamin C and other uh heat sensitive micronutrients. Um, however, when you lightly steam uh, cabbage, um, you actually increase the bioavailability of some of the phytonutrients that you find in them, like sulfurophane and indole-3-carbonyl and all these incredible properties of brassica vegetables, of which cabbage is one, um, that can confer benefits to the human uh, host. Sorry to talk about it in biological speak. But um overcooking your cabbage where you're stewing it for long periods of time doesn't completely get rid of all the nutrient value but it makes it a little bit less so than you'd want it to in short if you're overcooking your cabbage you're still going to benefit from having some of the fiber but certainly not from the vitamin c or the heat sensitive micronutrients you're going to be cooking out a lot of the um the nutrients that are going to be leached away however having cabbage in your diet is better than not having any cabbage in your diet so you know if your cabbage calls for it to be cooked for a long period of time in a stew i wouldn't hazard against not having it like that and if you if that means that you can enjoy your cabbage then do it that way i personally don't enjoy it like that because it releases way too much sulfur and it is a bit stinky so uh although saying that one of my favorite dishes is sarg which is an indian dish where you basically stew down the greens for a long period of time it tastes absolutely amazing actually but i think it's because we we, we pile loads of spices into it and it's amazing so yeah Okay, next question. Uh, Dr. Ajay, thoughts on meal replacement drinks like Huel, the health benefits as a convenient solution? It's a really interesting question, something I'm getting asked about quite a bit, um, whether the benefits of having a meal replacement drink like that are, are, um, are outweigh uh, the potential negatives of not eating or choosing a different snack. So how do I answer this? From an engineering point of view, I can understand why a drink has been created which has replacements of nutrients that the body needs according to recommended daily allowances, whether that be uh, minerals, potassium, zinc, etc. 
um, or vitamins, uh, vitamin A, vitamin D. I'm a firm believer that you can't just rely on a multivitamin or a vitamin-like uh, supplement or drink to improve health outcomes across the board. And I think it's quite naive to suggest that food is just a collection of those uh, micronutrients and uh, that we can replace food with a drink um, that contains those ingredients that are commonly found in vegetables and 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 and, and the other uh, foods that we consume in a whole form. However, do I think uh, meal replacement drinks, um, of which there are many other brands, uh, have a place in society? Probably. Uh, if I'm being honest, probably. I personally don't recommend them and I don't consume them. Uh, because I'd rather wait for a proper meal. But, you know, in times of crises, uh, I think this could be actually used as something as long as it pertains to the standards set out by the WHO, um, where people are undergoing famine, and this is actually quite transportable and easy to consume. Uh, in terms of, you know, how busy our lifestyles are, I can actually see why this may have some value. For example, I recently have been going to the north of England because I'm involved in a TV production uh, show. And that's like five hours of traveling in the day. Now, if I didn't have the convenience of being able to get to the train station, find a healthy option, uh, and I'd be uncomfortable and hungry and, you know, whatever on the train, then maybe having that as an option to keep me satiated in the process of me you know, waiting to eat a proper meal with the full spectrum of different types of fibers, different types of nutrients and the flavor, obviously, you don't want to forget that, um, of food, then maybe I would consider using something like that. In the same way, I use a homemade protein uh, shake um, uh, home with bananas and nut butter and hemp seeds. Um, but it is a very processed uh, food. Um, and you can't, it is very naive to think that you can mimic food on the basis of the nutrients that it contains that we're currently aware of because there are literally, like I always bang on about, thousands of different chemicals that we find in food that we A, haven't even studied and B, are not on the recommended uh, allowances that in my opinion they should be uh, because I think it's that spe those special attributes of whole food that give a lot of uh, value. Um, so that, that's my, my answer on that. I'm just gonna check on the vegetables because I think it's been about 20 minutes. So uh, let's pull those out, give them a little bit of a shake around and I'm gonna get on with the uh, freaker. Bit of a shake around. These smell absolutely incredible. You've got the harissa, the cinnamon is coming around. Um, it, it looks, absolutely amazing autumnal fresh vegetables you can get these from sainsbury's skin on for the phytonutrient value you want to no waste as well um and so easy to do i'm just going to add a tiny sprinkling of salt on the top that just allows it to crystallize a little bit more just make it the, the veggies tiny bit more crispy um you don't have to put too much salt on and uh, a little bit of the black pepper and back into the oven. All right, 20 minutes and that's all it's gonna take. All right, next question, let's go. I'm enjoying this. Um, well, 
this is hilarious. We've got two questions. One is why are your legs so skinny? I don't know. I, I'd really try. I, I, I lift weights. I do loads of squats. It's mainly what I do. Um, but then <laughs> the next question is uh, how often do you exercise and what kind of training do you do? Um, this is uh, a, a really uh, personal question in terms of you know whether what I'm going to say is appropriate for you. So in general, I mix it up. So I don't do just hit, I don't do just strength, I don't do just Pilates or yoga or mobility or flow. I do a, a combination of those things and I'm super intuitive. If you've been watching my Instagram stories, um, I've been doing a bit of a health kick and I do my exercise in the morning always because I find that if I exercise in the evening, it impacts my sleep. But also, I like to get it out of the way in the morning and the rest of the day, I try and keep active. So I think that's the main thing. So when it comes to exercise, I don't see exercise as a binary thing that you just do once a day or, or a couple of times a week. It's something that you try and constantly weave into your daily living. So I get up every single hour always to walk around. I generally use a standing desk. It doesn't have to be one of the expensive ones. I've got like a little um, uh laptop support thing that I just put on my normal desk and I can stand on it and uh, I, I try and take regular walks outside where possible especially trying to get some uh, sunlight into my eyes as well the kind of training I do depends on the quality of sleep I've had so if I'm really well rested I'm going to hit it hard with hit training and running hit training being high intensity interval training where you go proper hard for a minute and then you give yourself a short break so you keep yourself in what is called that red zone or the anaerobic zone where your muscles are not really given a chance to recover and it's that stress that causes that resilience in the long run and it really does improve cardiorespiratory fitness for a much lower um, time uh, insult so i you know i can do hit training for 10 minutes uh, versus jogging for 10 minutes and my HIIT training will have better cardiorespiratory uh, impacts than the jogging. That isn't to say that you don't jog. It's just, they're just very different. Now, I, on the subject of jogging, I will try and do a run once or twice a week as well. The reason why I do that is because A, I super enjoy it. And B, there is something about endurance training where you uh, run or row or cycle for a prolonged period of time at a level that is quite uh, moderate compared to your high-intensity interval training that confers benefits to heart health, brain health, even mental health as well. Um, there are a number of different studies on this, and I think if you're interested in the impact of exercise on mental health in particular, I've done a fascinating episode with Dr. Uh, Brendan Stubbs, who is uh, an incredible guy who's um, uh, one of the physiotherapists at the Morsley um, Center, which is a, a center of excellence for mental health. And he's written a, a literal textbook on the subject of exercise and mental health as well, as it pertains to schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and yes, depression and uh, anxiety states as well. So do listen to the episode if you're interested in exercise and mood. Uh, the other type of training I do is uh, mobility and um, Pilates and, and yoga. Those are very important core training exercises that I think are uh, ever more important uh, as we find ourselves sitting down more often. Uh, and I do strength training because we know that that has lots of benefits to the bone, uh, to again, core as well. Um, and there may be some longevity benefits with better uh, muscle mass and uh, prevention against uh, a... a 
condition that is particularly rife amongst the older uh, Asian community, which are um, uh, which is something called sarcopenia, um, which is where you basically get muscle wasting and an increasing uh, distribution of fat in the limbs as well, which is associated with higher rates of inflammation and um, uh, bone fracture and and yeah yeah so definitely to prevent uh, against those I, I do a mixture of training so yeah again that's a long answer for a simple question sorry um what do i think uh the best strategy is to improve healthy eating within my family again something I've, I've spoken about already but i would say getting everyone involved choosing recipes to master finding common ground on ingredients that everyone likes one of the commonest things that i find is um which is uh, a bit of an obstacle for people when it comes to uh, healthy eating in general is that you know mums or dads have to cook for so many different tastes now if you can find some common ground across all the different tastes then that would be amazing so if you all like tomatoes you all like spaghetti you all like peas you know peas is a bit of a on the fence one for a lot of people but um if you can find those common grounds, then creating a recipe using all those different ingredients so everyone can enjoy it, that would be great. That means that you've got at least one meal where everyone can really enjoy it and get involved as well. So that that's one of my strategies. And then, you know, being a lot more experimental too. I think that those are those are brilliant. Uh, let's go along. Am I doing a podcast about ADHD? Yes, I am. Watch the space. We're going to be doing a whole podcast on eating for ADHD uh, autism with a registered dietitian and someone who's done a lot of research in mental health disorders and the microbiota uh, uh, among a whole bunch of other things particularly with omega-3 which is very um, important something I do supplement with is omega-3 long chain so EPA and DHA and we talk about the different doses uh, doses of those as well which is needs to be quite high around a gram um, so it's usually double the dose of what you can find in most stores um, but also the quality of omega-3 needs to be quite uh, good as well. So there are certification standards that you can find online with all these different um, manufacturers and producers. Uh, and I would highly recommend everyone do those as well. Okay, I'm just going to stop real quick uh, as I go through the herbs. Now, if you're uh, an avid watcher or listener or you've got any of the recipe books, you will notice how often i flavor food with delicious herbs and spices and the reason why is because those spices are concentrated sources of micronutrients and phytonutrients and they also offer so much more flavor to food so it makes healthy eating with vegetables that can otherwise be considered to be quite bland much much more enjoyable so i'm just ripping up some mint uh, i've got some dill some parsley um, you could really use whatever uh, herbs you, you can get your hands on uh, here. So the mint I'm going to put through the yogurt. forgot to do that earlier because I was yattering away. And um, the dill and the parsley uh, is going to go into the frica and the roasted veggies. Um, but, you know, if you had tarragon, if you had thyme, you had even something like basil. Basil would definitely work with this, um, with the spices and harissa. And also, you know, if you didn't have harissa, so I should have said this at the start, you could use cumin, you could use um, uh, a number of different sort of uh, Middle Eastern style um, herbs uh, as well. Even daca would work really, really well. Okay, so the mint goes in there. Let's have a look at some other questions to end up with. All right. Um, 
how many fruit and vegetables you aim for a day? This is a really interesting question and something that I'm going to be talking a lot more about in my new book, 321, that's coming out in January. Um, I, I aim for three portions of fruit, vegetables, nuts, or seeds at every mealtime. Now, I know that sounds wholly unachievable for a lot of people, especially if you're not used to eating that many fruits and veggies. But um, there's a number of reasons why. A, I obviously love fruit and vegetables. And, you know, someone who's had a heart condition, I'm, I'm very interested in healthy eating and I try and maintain a, um, uh, a way of eating that I can achieve, but also keeps me in good stead. And B, um, there's some research that came out of uh, Imperial College and the researchers suggested that uh, the optimal amount of fruit and vegetables to consume would be around 10 a day. Now, um, that's looking at associations, uh, a number of different huge analyses of uh, papers, uh, ones that we call systemic, uh, systematic reviews and meta-analyses. Um, and there's a clear association b- between higher fruit and vegetable consumption and lower rates of uh, all-cause mortality, whether it be um, heart disease uh, or cancer or um inflammatory bowel disease, et cetera. And you, across the board, you see this with mental health disorders, type two diabetes, complications if you do have a condition, uh, autoimmune conditions, kidney disease. Like this is why I bang on about fruit and vegetable as a pragmatic solution um, uh, or pragmatic preventative measure, I should say, to uh, what we are facing in the industrialized world as uh, as a complete epidemic. So, um, for me, my whole strategy uh, when it comes to trying to coax people toward a healthier way of living is to get people putting as many different colorful plants into the diet as possible. I also include nuts and seeds in this and pulses because we used to have this you know, fear of fats in general, whereas actually now we know that the quality of fats that we consume in the whole form largely unsaturates from uh, a quality that is least refined as possible, i.e. those fats haven't been denatured by high cooking temperatures, um, et cetera, et cetera, and largely from plant sources as well, can be very beneficial. And also things like uh, hazelnuts or hemp seeds, they're really high in protein, very high in uh, vitamins like vitamin E, zinc, uh, magnesium. And these are things that are clearly lacking in people's diets if you look at the the population studies. So uh, my strategy for 321 is three portions of veg, uh, three portions of veg, nuts, seeds, fruit, uh, per person, two portions in every recipe is a minimum and only using one pan. Stews, casseroles, curries, tray bakes, these can be delicious and they can be achievable and they're enjoyable to cook. They're easy and streamlined recipes. This is the whole thing that I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really focused on going forward. Um, so yeah, so I think, uh, you know, when it comes to overall an overall strategy for healthy eating, that's what I would uh, definitely advise. Okay, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have to uh, tie up the recipe now. I'm gonna take out the uh, ingredients from the oven. Okay, I'm not joking. These vegetables look absolutely incredible. The harissa has given that beautiful spice. The cinnamon, I can smell the sweetness. We're gonna dump this into a uh, large bowl. We're gonna scatter some of these incredible fresh herbs. 
I'm gonna throw in the uh, freaker into the bowl, but a top tip is to um, actually throw the freaker into the roasting dish that you just roasted the veggies in. Um, so it can coat in some of those delicious oils that I've got the harissa and the cinnamon in. So you're getting maximum amount of flavor out of that pan. A little bit more lemon on top. We have this beautiful yogurt and mint dressing. I'm going to finish it off with some aged feta, which, um, you know, if you're plant-based, you don't need to eat this, but, uh, Aged cheese in particular has uh, got some benefits to the gut microbiota. Uh, we know that they um, thrive on a, a few of the different species and it is a probiotic as well. So it's introducing some of those novel um, microorganisms into your uh, ecosystem that can have some benefits to your health as well. There's a whole um, uh, podcast I did with a, a gut research, re researcher, colleague of mine, Dr. Rossi, uh, where we discussed the impact of uh, aged cheeses and probiotic foods as well as sakra and kimchi so definitely have a listen to that one and that is it that is the recipe that i've made during the q a with you guys uh, on the doctor's kitchen podcast um i really hope you enjoyed that as you can tell it's super easy thank you so much for joining me on this special bonus episode sponsored by sainsbury's answering your nutrition questions whilst i cooked this delicious roasted veg freaker and feta salad with yogurt and mint dressing Make sure you do check out the rest of the recipes that you can find on the Sainsbury's website and on the podcast page. Do sign up to the newsletter. We give free weekly recipes plus lots of tips and hacks on how to help you lead the healthiest, happiest lifestyle. If you enjoyed this podcast, do send it to your friends and family and I will see you here in the next couple of days.